Are you good with people? Maybe you're organized or have a knack for numbers. Well, then chances are you've got skills that could lead to a new career. A Google Career Certificate can help you get a foot in the door with top employers in fast-growing fields like IT support, project management, data analytics, and user experience design. It's professional-level training developed and taught by Google employees. And it's all online so you can learn around your schedule. Put your skills to work. Go to grow.google slash certificates. Heard the call to build your small business? Make it happen with a .NET domain name, the place for dreamers for 30 years and counting. Visit keepdreamingup.net for tips and advice. Whether you're just getting started or looking to grow, that's keepdreamingup.net. Westwood One presents The Pollsters. The Pollsters. And now, Margie and Kristen. Hi, and welcome to The Pollsters. I'm Margie O'Mara, Democratic pollster with PSB Research. And I'm Kristen Soltis-Anderson, Republican pollster with Echelon Insights. And each week, we bring you the polls driving the news in politics, tech, and pop culture. So... We're here again. We still the the country still stands at least when we record this show. It's Thursday. We're all still here. <laughs> what was our song last week? What was the mirror? I, at one point, I'm going to make Elton John. I'm still standing. That's going to be our song. Yeah, we have a couple like. I'm still standing yeah, there's. I think the advantage of one teeny tiny silver lining of all the tumult, tumultuous happenings of the last couple of weeks is we have lots of ideas for what our intro song should be. <laughs> uh, but before we dive into the show, I think this is a good week to ask everyone who has not yet written a review of our show to do so. Because we have not put out a big – we used to give you guys micro assignments. I know. We could do that again. We used again. to give homework. And we have not given – it's homework just too lately. hard. It's just too hard out there right now. So people also want Margie, their podcast homework on top of everything else. Why are you putting more on my plate? Uh, but we, we, we would appreciate it. We hope that in an ocean of chaos, we are a, a, a safe harbor yes. for all of you, for all of our listeners, whether you are excited about making America great again or you think that we are headed into the apocalypse. Uh, we love all of you and we. We want this show to be a safe space. Right, where we can be, have friendly conversation <laughs> and friendly So banter. write us a review. We, yes. Again, we have not asked for anything in a long time. And we know that activism and getting out there and That's right. pounding the pavement is getting – it's hot again. Right. When you're done with your five calls, everybody. So when you're done calling Congress and shutting down the Capitol switchboard, take 30 seconds. Write us a review. We yeah. would love to hear from That's you. That's great. Good reminder. All right. So this week's top lines. Slow down. <laughs> You've got to make the moment last. This Marjorie. song is so like relaxed and cheerful. <laughs> feeling groovy. Are people feeling groovy here in Washington? By the way, if we start an episode with a Simon and Garfunkel song, you know that it was Margie who was That's me. on that was DJ Due Days this that week. Was me. <laughs> but uh, slow down, you're moving too fast. Do voters think that Donald Trump is moving too fast to fulfill uh, his promises? Uh, are voters okay with what Trump is doing as long as it's the things he said he would do? Then Visa. 
it's supposed to mean you're everywhere you want to be. But perhaps these days, visas do not mean you are everywhere you want to be. We will talk a little bit about Trump's executive orders around immigration and how people are responding to that. Uh, Trump is also not here to make friends. This week, there was a rollout of a new Supreme Court justice. It seemed for a brief moment that that rollout would be a la a rose ceremony in uh, a reality show in The Bachelor. Uh, Didn't work out that way, but Donald Trump certainly borrows from the reality show tropes. So if he's not here to make friends, and especially not in the media, how are voters reacting to that? Then the big game is coming up. Will Atlanta or New England win? Is Tom Brady on the Make America Great Again train? Uh, We will discuss everything surrounding the Super Bowl and how Americans are feeling as we head up to the big game. Uh, But first, before we dive into the poll of the week, uh, a quick reminder about this episode being brought to you by Mack Weldon. Um, We've talked in the last two weeks about how they are a menswear brand, uh, comfy leisure wear clothing. Uh, The reports from within my household from experiences with the product are very positive. My husband loves this polo shirt he got. Something called a Sunday pant. This was this is the one. (laughs) So I've gone through now. The first time we talked about this, I talked about this polo he got that reminded him of James Bond. The second one was how undershirts and I don't understand anything about undershirts, but he likes these undershirts and that's apparently a big deal. Uh, But there's also something he now has called the Sunday pant. Right. I saw that. Which I don't understand what why something is called a Sunday pant. But Chris was like, he totally got it. He was I like, said like yes. a men's version of wearing yoga pants to the grocery but store. But I think it's I think it's a step up from that. I think it's like well, I guess wearing yoga pants to the grocery store is totally acceptable. It's not frowned upon. Clearly. Yeah, it's not it's not frowned upon these days. But this is sort of like it almost looked like you could probably get like you can't go to church in yoga pants. I don't think. I think that um, uh, the the Sunday pant, anyhow, is is the other winner in our household. So, so oh, I had to return some of the things I got for Jules because my I guess my measuring was not very good. I guess measure <laughs> I measured I didn't measure twice. I measured once. Or I guess he wanted a little slimmer fit. I think he ordered we got the same polo, but we did get the socks that are Tyrian purple and we went to the city called Tyr which is in Lebanon. We went to that city over Christmas, over the holidays. Um it is the city where they invented the color purple. Literally not what? not the book the color purple, but the actual color purple was invented in an ancient city called Tyr in Lebanon. Lebanon for folks who have not been there has incredible amount of cities with these fantastic old ruins and we went to quite a few of them and one of them was called Tyr and you could see the um the old hippodrome where there were different chariot races. You could see these, you know, massive it was a necropolis, so all you see all these bones, crushed up bones, which my daughter really Ooh. loved. And you couldn't see purple anymore, but that was where they invented purple. So Tyrian purple is a color in the Mack Weldon sock retinue. Wow. So that was, I would have just assumed Tyrion was like a Game of Thrones reference. I would have never gotten that. Yeah, I mean, oh my you, gosh. you would I not have gotten so, that if you just had, got a new wrinkle on my brain. You had so not, <laughs> if you had not actually, you know, yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it was it was quite an incredible, is incredible. Thing. I just got a new an article the other day from friend of the show, John Bailey. John, if you're listening, thank you for this article. It was all about how we need language to help us understand colors. So, like, there is a civilization that does not have a word for blue, and hmm. so they can't. It's like a like a tribe, I think, in Africa where like they've never had a word for blue. And so if you show them something that's blue, like they they don't they think it's like green. Hmm. Like they can't and so that there have been oh now I'm worried. I think John sent me this article, but there's it, it, it you can read about this in um 
like it's if you if you saw Arrival, you would get this. But like having the language to describe something changes your perception of it. And so now that I have the language to describe this shade of purple, yeah. I will never look at purple again. Yeah, and way. it was this. I mean, it was expensive to make. It was you know reserved for royalty. I mean, it was a it's a whole thing. So anyway, so Tyrion purple socks. Tyrion purple socks not made in tier Lebanon. I'm assuming, um, but if from that same you are listening family. and you want to check out these socks or the Sunday pant or what have you, uh, go to MacWeldon.com and as we said last week, work hard, be nice, never pay full price. You get twenty percent off using code. Polsters, P-O-L-L-S-T-E-R-S, code Polsters. Get 20% off your order at MacWeldon.com. So now on to our poll of the week. So before we dig into the deep, deep world of political polling, this is something I guess it's, I mean, it's political, but the polling at least is clear in this poll, which is on vaccines. This is a topic that's obviously um, discussed a lot. It gets very contentious. It gets very heated. Pew released a study asking people um, whether they felt that the risks uh, outweigh the benefits or were the benefits more important. And they found that overwhelmingly people said that the benefits outweighed the risk. That was, you know, pretty decisive finding that was a little bit less true among parents with young children. So that's when you're in kind of prime vaccine age. That's the time when you have to go seemingly all the freaking time to go get vaccines and they don't like it. So, you know, that's kind of you're adding to the thing. You're like, wait, they have to get four vaccines and they're, you know, 30 pounds and then they scream and they get a fever. And, you know, so there's this, you know, natural reaction and awareness and thinking about vaccines at that time, you know, as opposed to later. So I that makes sense to me, but it's still pretty overwhelmingly Showing like eight to eighty to ninety percent saying the risk, the benefits outweigh the risks. So that's perhaps a little bit different than you would think if you listen to the public discussion over it. Yeah, I remember getting the polio vaccine and thinking it was awesome because I'm pretty sure it was just like drinking a capsule of this like sweet. I remember like yes. Okay, some are needles and some are you drink candy. Yes. Yes. That was a pretty great one. Yes. <laughs> and I remember my sister barfing on me on the way to piano practice, like when she was real little and had just gotten. I think it was the the tetanus. I don't know. The one that can kind of make you feel like Blech. for a day. Yeah. And I will remember Heather Barfin inside our the family minivan. Yeah, no. It's no <laughs> Sorry, fun. Sorry, Heather. It's calling no, you out. It's no fun. It's <laughs> definitely, I could tell you, it's not a fun time. But, you know, I'm definitely on the pro, the pro yeah, vaccine. Yeah, public, public health is uh, no kit. joke. Yeah, and people trusted, people relieved to say, and this will be our nice segue into everything political, people trust scientists more than Elected officials on vaccines, I guess most folks will be relieved to know. <laughs> um, okay. So anyway, enough so, of that diversion. So into politics. And and by the way, before we walked in to tape this show today, uh, I was talking to Margie about to what extent – I mean, right now politics is just so – there's so much. I remember yeah. two years ago when we started this show and it was like, okay, what are we going to talk about? Can we find enough material to fill an episode? Right. And now well, there's a Senate primary in California. Maybe yeah, we should talk about that. Like we yeah. haven't even gotten into state. I mean, yeah. now there's just so much. Like, so we're taping this on Thursday afternoon. Yesterday, I got on a plane. I was flying back from California to DC. We take off. I have a layover in Dallas. I land in Dallas, and like we're at war with Australia. <laughs> and I'm like, wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. When we got on the plane, we were not at war with Australia. Come, somebody please tell me what happened. So I, I want to make sure that in the show we're talking about enough 
fun stuff <laughs> that it's not like total depression zone. Yeah. Because whether you like Trump or not, I mean, it's just so chaotic and so much rancor and angst and like, ugh. Um, so it's important to me that in addition to talking about politics, we do make sure we're talking about pop culture and such. But there is just a lot of Trump to talk about right yeah, now. There's, there's no getting around there's it. There's no getting around it. And and for sure, and w- what I don't know from the public polling, although there's some polling on, you know, perceptions of how people think the administration's doing, which we'll talk about, what we haven't seen is a poll that shows the awareness of sort of the details of what's been going on versus what insiders who are following this and their awareness because, yeah, there's this sense from folks who follow this closely that it is just an onslaught of stuff all day long, like tweets and calls and, you know, briefings and senators, you know, subtweeting the president and, you know, at protests. Like, it's just complete insanity, right? And, um, and but, you know, voters are not getting all that. Well, yeah, this was... I. I apologize. I don't know if I talked about this on last week's show. I think because I couldn't have because I think this happened on Friday. But I went on Morning Joe and was on a segment and Eugene Robinson was on the segment and was talking about how we, there's this whiplash going on right yeah. now because you he, he said something like you turn on Twitter and every 20 minutes some new story is driving everybody crazy. And I wanted to jump in. It's kind of awkward on Morning Joe like logistically to jump in if you are if you're on a remote, remote guest. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to jump in and be like – most voters are not getting whiplash because they're not checking Twitter every 20 minutes. And like we need to keep <laughs> we need to keep that in mind. Yeah. God, I wish I wasn't checking Twitter every 20 minutes. I know. I'm trying. I'm trying. Some days I, I do better than others. The TV in my office broke and I'm trying to not get it fixed to see if that helps. Oh, I haven't had bit. a TV in my office in like three years. But that's part of why I then – I almost feel like I should just set up the TV <sighs> because then – I could get away. I could convince I myself it's not a, to look there's at Twitter. No, there's no good answer other than just, you know, go on vacation. But um, so anyway, the Trump data so far, I mean, overall, his approval rating, his favorable rating, like it's still. his The HuffPost pollster approval rating right now has his approval at 46 percent. 46 percent's not yeah. bad. It's underwater. 48 percent disapproved. I mean, he only has. But it's. He's only been there two weeks. I mean, he's had no honeymoon, right? I mean, that's the thing. He's had no honeymoon. He's been unfavorable nationally for, you know, going on two years. And his unfaves have gone up a bit in the last, you know, have you know, they, to the extent he had any kind of improvement, it's now, you know, kind of evaporated. The PPP just released a poll showing that a majority say they would prefer that Obama was president right now over Trump. Um you know, the numbers are not good. I mean, the only way that you can really look at it as a way that's positive for Trump where you could say, look, this is, you know, this is a good this is a good outcome is that Republicans, his his voters are happy. His voters still like him. He is doing almost all the things he said he was going to do. Right. Nothing should surprise any of us. Right. My column in The Examiner this week is about, so going back to this whole reality show business that Donald Trump didn't come here to make friends, but that mismanagement is the sort of thing if you are incompetent and sloppy, that would get you kicked off The Apprentice. Right. And so that's the bigger thing. Like the idea that Donald Trump is like a mean guy and he's doing stuff that he's going to keep, you know, an 80 something year old Iranian grandmother from coming into the country. Like there are a lot of voters that are like, yeah, we voted for him because he's enough of a jerk that he'll say, I'm keeping out the 80-year-old grandma because I'm going to protect Americans. Right. Like, we've got to acknowledge that there's a big chunk of America that is like, 
tough luck, Grandma. I'm sorry. Your story is really sympathetic and I don't want you to be struggling, but we got to do what we got to do. And like, I think just keeping that in mind is important. And when you look at these numbers, I do think there's about a third of the country that like no matter what Trump does, unless it becomes mismanagement, sloppiness, not yielding results. That's when I think you can see it eating into that like third of people that just love him. But but you've also got 40 percent of people who will never like him. In that PPP poll, they asked, would you support or oppose impeaching Donald Trump? And even though his approval rating is underwater, only 40 percent of people want to begin impeachment proceedings today. I mean, it's kind of... That ain't great. It, it ain't great. No, no, no. It's <laughs> not oh, so great. <laughs> I, I know on any other measure, Let's if we were talking it. about anybody else... If you just started a job really... two weeks ago and your boss is like, I have got to fire that person, like, that would be bad. But but I, but but I, I guess the way I would pose this is, if Hillary Clinton had been elected president, you can imagine a third of people saying yes to that question, right? Like a lot of Republicans being like, yes, impeach her. Benghazi, the emails, whatever, you know, like, yeah, I, I, uh, perhaps. But here, you know, here is where so I, I totally recognize that Trump is doing well with his supporters, that people think he's doing what they said, he, you know, he was going to do. I think there's this, you know, there's this narrative out there that voters are surprised when they shouldn't be surprised. But I don't think the voters are even that surprised. I mean, yeah. that's not what all the qualitative work that's going on in a lot of outlets out there where they're interviewing people on the ground and they're like, yeah, this is what we thought he was going to do. There's uh, some polling. Who who did this poll? I think it was um, Morning Consult. But there was some polling about, you know, did you think he meant what he was saying or do you think he was being, uh, you know, it was just a metaphor? Did you believe him literally? Did you take him literally? Um, people said, yeah, you know, and his voters said yes, not on some of the things that are particularly negative, like prosecuting Hillary Clinton or questioning Obama's uh, birthplace. Those things, the Trump voters were a little bit less likely than Clinton voters to take him literally. But overall, Trump voters were, you know, very likely to take him literally on building a wall, banning refugees, bringing manufacturing jobs. So I, I think the narrative that, you know, people are surprised is false. Like, I don't think people are surprised. It's just a question of, like, are they surprised by sort of the velocity or is there some, you know, stuff at the edges of how it's being executed that's a surprise or are the media surprised? I, I don't know. I don't know. You know, I haven't seen a lot of data that suggests that people actually are surprised as much as they are, you know, not not giving him the benefit, uh, you know, of any sort of honeymoon because what he's doing is, you know, stuff that is unpopular with a lot of folks on the left. So, the- And there's and there is. So to that point about the 40 percent of people that support impeaching him already, SurveyMonkey has asked an approval rating question. Um, do you approve or disapprove of the job, uh, way Donald Trump is handling his job as president? They find 50 percent overall disapproval. But among disapproval, 39 percent among registered voters is strong disapproval, yeah. which is I mean, that number correlates or is is similar to the four out of 10 that say they want to impeach Donald Trump. So it would surprise. I feel like Donald Trump's ceiling will always be capped by the fact that no matter what he does, there is a four out of 10 people in this country are deeply, deeply, deeply troubled by what's going on. 
and are beginning to really get politically active as a result. Right. So Washington Post showed this, that Democrats, particularly the liberal Democrats, particularly even Democratic women, are far more likely to say they're going to become more involved in political causes over the next year than adults overall. So that's a sense of like, you know, activated by outrage. And that goes to show, goes to really reflect the broader climate. So as Trump focuses on things that excite his base and his voters who say, yep, this is what I wanted. This is what I signed up for it. And that also, you know, leads Republican members in Congress to say, well, why should I go against this? Because his voters clearly like it. At the same time, the more he does that, the more upset and inflamed and uh, active Democrats will become because they're going to just get more angry. They're going to be more likely to protest. They're going to be more likely to um, to call their members. And, you know, that that's how this has bec- becomes a, a vicious cycle, right? This becomes a vicious circle where we're, you know, the, the two camps become even farther and farther apart um, when, you know, and let's face it, he's doing what he said he would do. And he is not even making a pretense of reaching out to the other side. I mean, let's just be clear. I mean, look, if he wanted to demonstrate that he is, you know, trying to extend an olive branch and like unify the country, you know what he would focus on? He would just do the CEO meetings. That's like the one thing he does. Like he would do CEO meetings every day, throw his phone in the garbage, not speak publicly and focus on infrastructure. That's what he would do. Like because infrastructure According to Gallup, falls through the roof falls with through everybody. The roof. Yeah, I mean, th- that's what he would do. Everybody loves some roads and bridges. Yeah, if he did that and, like, he had a couple executive old orders and Supreme Court things that people fought about, but it wouldn't, like, be this, like, the three million people around the country and in every continent of the world all marching, you know, probably. Yeah. Um, then then he wouldn't have these numbers. And so what? So I don't know what this means he it, it, what's in store for him cuz he can't grow at this play, this rate he can't doing what he's doing he can't grow so he can only lose he can't grow he can only shrink he can only lose his some support by doing th- you know not showing results or you know hitting people where they live somehow so that's what's in store based on what we've seen so far <laughs> pretty optimistic stuff. But yeah, I mean, Gallup showed, we had a poll, I think, a week or two ago that showed that infrastructure was not particularly top tier priority. But this one shows it is a top priority in part because it is tied. Democrats and Republicans are essentially tied on how much they prioritize it. And everything else, there's this yawning gap between D's and R's in terms it's of how important. you not losing half of the people saying, no, I could care less about climate or no, I could care less about. Second Amendment or whatever the whatever the options were. I mean, here's one thing that's actually quite interesting, which is, you know, importance. So the question is importance that Trump keeps that campaign promise. And this is percent very important. This is from Gallup. And um, one item that has a little bit smaller of a gap between D's and R's is established tariffs on foreign imports. (laughs) That's a funny I mean, that's kind of a funny finding. Um, where 62% of Republicans and 45% of Democrats say that. So Republicans are like, yeah, more, I mean, let's call it a tax, right? And welcome to the strange new world in which some of us free marketeers are living. <laughs> We're like, hey, everybody, what's going on? <laughs> wait, wait a minute. We, we all used to agree on this stuff. Hang yeah, on. <laughs> I, I, know, I mean, right? It's just a little, anyway. Hello. 
So some of the things that are on this list are things that he has indicated that he's going to do or, you know, like um, lift restrictions on the production of shale. That's not something that even a majority of Republicans support, just a third of Democrats. But um, some of the things that he has already started to do or, you know, head in that direction, repeal and replace Obamacare, deportation, he obviously hasn't done those, but he's, you know, talking about them. Those are very uh, popular among Republicans you know, far less important, obviously, among Democrats. Um, And this is how important he keeps them, not like, did you think he was going to keep them? Mm -hmm. Which, you know, you could think he was going to keep them and still hate them, you know. Well, in terms of the executive orders that he's pushed forward, Politico and Morning Consult have gotten approval ratings on a whole host of different executive orders that they've put through. Um, And you find that for all of these executive orders, the lowest support is 46 percent approve, and that's for one about granting fast approval to the Dakota Access Pipeline. Um, Most of these orders get between 46, 47, 48, 49 percent approval. The two that get over 50 percent, and bear in mind, none of these get 50 percent disapprove, as far as I can tell. There's there's just a lot of like don't know, no opinion. Mm -hmm. So they're all, quote unquote, above water. But the two strongest were the ones about freezing all federal regulations until the new administration can review them. That gets 54 percent approval. And then an order revoking federal funding for so-called sanctuary cities, which are localities or cities that do not prosecute undocumented immigrants for violating federal immigration laws. 55 percent agreeing with that. And I've always thought that the sanctuary city debate is so interesting. And people always lump, well, are you tough on immigration? Are you soft on immigration? People will lump all this stuff together. And I've always thought that the sanctuary cities example is an interesting one because usually – The debate over immigration is these sort of very heart-wrenching stories about like, look, you're going to tear this family apart. You're going to deport this person. This person's a dreamer. You know, like there are these really heart-wrenching stories versus people who are more immigration hawks, which are like, well, law and order and we need to, you know, build a wall and whatever. And Sanctuary Cities with the the Kate Steinle story um, out of the Bay Area sort of was an example for – the immigration hawk side to have like a human story to point to for their perspective. So it actually does not surprise me that of all the executive orders around Keystone, I mean, that's more popular. Revoking the funding from sanctuary cities is slightly more popular than the immediate construction of the wall, which yeah. is which is uh, of all of the immigration policies that seems to be the most popular one Trump is putting forward. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting because if you actually looked at what would have more of an immediate effect for most voters, the sanctuary city, because, you know, people, I would, people are living near if, or in sanctuary cities. And if you're cutting all federal funding and like all federal funding from all of America's major cities, that's going to have a lot of unintended consequences. Well, and this goes to the, you know, if you're hitting people where they live, if there are people who don't even realize that they are in the metropolitan area of a sanctuary city or they think, good, shut down the the stupid people that live in the downtown, but like there's something that affects them. That'd be interesting. I wonder to what extent that would be something that would have these unintended consequences where he might lose people. So let's talk about one specific um, proposal that's caused a lot of debate, I guess we should say, and that's the travel ban Mm -hmm. or the Muslim ban or the don't call it a ban unless, you know, you do call it a ban, ban. Um, So, you know, this is obviously a very fast moving issue. And 
you know, I've seen a lot of discussion about what's going on in newsrooms about how they're even describing it. Like, how are newsrooms describing the countries? Are they we talking about seven majority Muslim countries? Are they calling them, you know, terror prone? Is one of these questions that we're going to talk about? Does you know how are what kinds of words and phrases are they matching the language from the White House? Are they using different language? Are they calling it a Muslim ban? Um, all of that. It is an important conversation, and it's in a conversation that you see looking at the question wording about how this is described in the polling. Now, some of these questions were done before the actual, you know, ban came out, and we knew what the, you know, before the executive order came out, before we even knew what the details were. Um, some of them, you know, have a couple different questions. It's tricky. It's not easy to capture it. But I'm not totally sure when you see people out there saying, well, support's divided. People actually kind of support the ban. I don't know if I'm ready to make that conclusion based on the public data. Policy polling is so hard because question wording is so hard on some of this stuff. So the the questions thus far that have been asked about the travel ban. Um, first, we have a question that I believe comes to us from Quinnipiac. They yes. were uh, always one of the first to come out with data on new, this stuff. And the way they frame this question is, do you support or oppose suspending immigration from terror-prone regions, even if it means turning away refugees from those regions. And here they find plurality support, 48% support, 42% oppose, um, which that I think was the big number that was floating around because it was one of the first ones to come out. Mm -hmm. So here the question is, you know, terror-prone regions, that may be how it is defined in the law. Um, does that does that bias the question, though? Right. Um, because there are some folks that would argue, well, there are plenty of other countries that are terror prone or exporting have the potential to export terror that are not on this list or you know you could have somebody who is uh becomes radicalized while living in an eu country and then mm -hmm. comes here mm -hmm. um so or you could have a country where there's been terrorists have come from that country Right. Already who have come to this country, which does not include any of the seven countries that are in the bank. Right. And and it is certainly the case that when the law was walked out, um, the examples of we need to protect Americans from X, Y and Z, all of the examples given were not examples of people coming from those seven countries. Right. On the other hand, the goal is to prevent future threats, prevent future attacks. But but this language sort of leans on suspending immigration from terror prone regions. I can see an argument for People saying, well, that's that's what the law says. On the other hand, does that make it more positive? I mean, I think so. You know, we can talk about this a little bit more. But I think the way to handle some of these questions where there, there is there is so much in the detail here that's important is to ask a kind of unvarnished favor or pose. Like, how do you feel about the president's? executive order, you know, about travel. Like give no information. And give no it. information about travel from seven, you know, seven And some countries. people will just re respond with, like, how they feel about the president. Right. And like, they won't know, but they'll just be like, I like Trump. I don't or, like Trump. Or, or whatever, right? And and that's and that's an answer. That is the, per, you know, the perception that is reality. Like, however people kind of walk in the door before you give them any information, that's what they think. And then, and then ask some follow-up questions like, well, some people say this and some people say that. Now what do you think? And that way you are giving people a little bit more information the way each side would say it rather than, you know, getting an assessment of what the support is for the ban based on, you know, a combination of information that you're giving them that may not really quite – you're not really sure how those different pieces of information are changing the favor or oppose. Another way that this – 
question gets into, you know, that we need to think about when you look at question wording, I should say, is when they talk about the time, how the time frame, like that, several of the questions, and this is, I think YouGov did this and Rasmussen did this, say, well, it's just for a certain number of days until vetting can be changed. And, and that's a different, that's a, that's a message. I mean, you could argue that that's, uh, those are the facts, but that's also, you know, messaging mm-hmm. about this. Um, you know, the other thing that is only in, which question asks us? Only PPP, right? I think only PPP explicitly says, you know, asks about what about people with visas, right? I mean, that component, which was what a lot of the legal action that happened over the weekend, a lot of the protests, you know, centered around how the cruel, the examples that made it to the top of the news were people who, you know, left the country but live here and they have, you know, visas and they have family in the United States. Or, and, you know, not that that ultimately changes the foundation of what we're talking about, but that is a very important legal point of the conversation that we've had over the last week. And there's only one question of all these public questions that mentions anything about visas, and that's the PPP poll. And the and green cards was another piece right. of this that wasn't – which hasn't even been asked in a question, I think, because that was one of those things that – it was a point of confusion and the White House has sort of walked it back because legally you cannot tell somebody who is a legal permanent resident of the country that permanent doesn't mean permanent anymore. Um, certainly not overnight with an executive order. And so but that was something that the White House walked back. And so you don't I didn't see any of these questions asking about uh, the green cards. Um, but but with the the visas, I mean, that's where you did have folks that like they had applied and had been waiting to come to the country for a long time. And like they just were unlucky that this was the weekend that they were supposed to finally make this trip. And then. Right. The the hammer got dropped. Right. Right. So, I mean, then there was one question, at least one question, like, was this executed well or not? And. There you see that's a different dimension. There you see a lot of people saying, well, you know, it wasn't really quite executed as well as it should have been. Yeah, Um, and this is where I think the Trump folks got to worry. So like I said, you've got 40% of America that I think no matter what Trump does, they want him gone. They would love to see him impeached. They think he is terrible, period. And I think there's about a 30% to a third of the country that loves Trump and everything he does is great and everything is fine. And here, when you ask voters whether you approve or disapprove of the ban or not, how good of a job do you think he has done carrying it out, you do wind up with a a chunk of people who say, yeah, he did a good job. But even among Trump voters, only 31 percent think he did a very good job of rolling this out. 44 percent say somewhat good. 14 percent say not very good. 2 percent say not good at all. So if you think, OK, well, are people in their camps and Trump can do no wrong here? You do have a plurality of voters saying, eh, right, that was not the best. Right. We can do better next time. Right. And that's the kind of stuff that I think is going to do him in with his supporters. If it, if if we don't see more uh, sort of competence and, and streamlined management and all of that, if you see more of these execution errors, that's where I think you start losing people. Right, right. And, you know, given the process of how this was handled, you could see how that would be – how that could possibly happen again. Now, you know, the other the other piece of this too is asking about whether people perceive it as a Muslim ban. That's another yet another layer on this. Is this a Muslim ban or is it something else that's about safety? Now, you know, 
the White House has said this isn't a Muslim ban. Paul Ryan has said this isn't a Muslim ban. You know, Rudy Giuliani said, Trump asked me, how do I make a Muslim ban? And I said, it, but I want to do it legally. And he said, here's how you do it. He just said that this past weekend. It wasn't like. That's going to wind up in court. It wasn't like, you know, that's uh, someone unearthed that from a show 30 years ago or anything. Um, and a majority of Americans said that they think the intent was it for, was for it to be a Muslim ban. And two thirds say they oppose having a Muslim ban. So that's layer of this is another way this could go wrong. Now, I'm sure there's some social desirability bias for some of these folks who say, well, they oppose a Muslim ban. Um, you know, nonetheless, this, I mean, that's that's another way that this goes south for Trump where, you know, he, and again, it goes back to this thing, he can't grow, he can only shrink. You know, he, for people who, you know, maybe voted for him, but they don't like Muslim bans and, and they, you know, they think this is one and they don't think it was handled very well. Okay, well, what about the next time that there's an executive order and that means, you know, somebody they know is getting deported or, you know, the the funding for their local school is cut or what have you? Uh, So Gallup, as we know, has a wealth of polling information going back decades and decades and decades. And they have posted some historical data about attitudes toward refugees over time that I think is interesting for putting this into context. So right now this feels like, oh, this kind of like ugly moment. And, you know, you hear all of these heart-wrenching stories at the same time. You've got a lot of folks that say, look, we're under threat. You know, how does this moment compare to other ones from the past? So Gallup in 1939 asked people about whether they would support or oppose allowing in children from Germany, refugee children from Germany. 67 percent said that they opposed it. Yeah. Um, you've got uh, in 1946 uh, people asking about, OK, you've had, you've just had all of this disaster hit Europe. Um, now, can we allow in some more refugees from Europe, um, including Jewish immigrants? Um, and you still found majorities or pluralities opposing allowing in refugees from war torn Europe uh, back then. You found um, majority opposition to allowing in people. Uh, from Vietnam, which in this survey question, if I'm reading this correctly, it uses the phrase boat people. I know, right? Yeah. Uh, historical polling data. You're always an interesting lens into the past. Um, and back then, you wound up with 55, 57, or pardon me, 57 percent saying they would oppose allowing in the Indo-Chinese or quote unquote boat people. I can't believe. Well, I, I wasn't I mean, around I, then. I, so, so I don't know. Follow but. Peter Shulman. He's a he was a guest on the show many, Historical many months polls. ago. And I think it's asked his opinion at his opinion. I think was I think his Twitter handle where he tweets out like old charts from, you know, 50 year old polls. And they all kind of look like, like this. things. That it's like, I can't believe we asked this. But anyhow, the point, all of which is to say America has a very long history of the public being very uncomfortable with letting in refugees and people from the outside. So this is not new. It's something that the polls show goes back quite a ways. So one last thing on this is Pew came out and this is a global poll and they did poll, you know, polling in about 10 or 12 different countries. And they asked how important is being a Christian to being truly American or truly Greek or truly French or what have you. And in some of these countries like Italy and Poland, in Spain, they said Catholic as opposed to Christian. In other places, they said Christian. Um, Greece was the one where a majority said – that was the one country where a majority said this is all European countries uh, plus Australia and the U.S. and Canada. Um, uh, only Greece did they say you, ha- you know, be- uh, being Christian is very important to being Greek. And then the next bucket 
Poland, the U.S., and Italy at a roughly a third say very important to being, you know, being American. So to being truly American, about a third of Americans say being Christian is important. So that may be part of what we're seeing here. I don't know. What do you think? Interesting. Well, I'm actually looking at this. So we love digging into like the weird methodological quirks of these polls. And I am fascinated that on this question in Italy, Poland, and Spain, they did not use the word Christian. They used Catholic. They used the word Catholic. I guess because there really aren't. Protest- or there are not enough Protestants there, or if you say the word Christian, I assume in the language, it wouldn't have the same connotation. I mean, they are well, you know, those I mean, are those very are, ca- they're yeah. very Catholic countries. You know, I mean, it, it, to say anything else, I think would you know they're kind of one and the same. To be precise, mm-hmm. you have to say Catholic. Just a fun, fun little methodology note. Yeah, no, it is interesting, right? I mean, and they are countries. Although Spain is much lower than Poland and Italy, but it's you know. Related, I'm assuming that the the Catholic countries are high higher than some of the Catholic countries where it's like variety of Christians, um, where it's lower. So yeah. that's probably related. Anyway, so that was that's interesting. And then one last little one last little bit before we get to the fun stuff. So um, you know, another thing that's gotten folks on the left um, charged up about is the what's called the Mexico rule was one of the first executive orders that Trump signed to uh, take away funding from groups, including health centers and hospitals that, that provide any abortion, even though the funding doesn't go to abortion. If you provide funding to a group that does abortion, um, then, uh, um, you know, then you won't get any funding. So that, you know, has been part of thinking about where this uh, administration is going to be on choice. And so in time with that and the Right to Life march that was last week, um, there has been some polling that came out. And I guess this is Quinnipiac also. And they showed that cutting off funding for Planned Parenthood, which is another piece of you know the, the pro-life priorities here, um, people oppose it. I mean, even a quarter – of Republicans oppose it. Um, you know, we've seen polling before that shows Planned Parenthood with, you know, pretty high favorable ratings that are, uh, you know, were on par with NRA, I think, in the one poll that we found. Um, it's interesting here that something that's seen as such a clear party divide politically in Washington is not really quite as clear. I mean, still a divide, but it's not quite as crystal clear of a divide. I mean, what do you think when you look at this? Well, yeah, this is when you first asked the question, the way Quinnipiac did this and I I will say I can see a lot of my friends who are activists in pro-life land really taking issue with with the follow up with the. the, Yeah. So the way that Quinnipiac did this is first they say just straight up and down. Do you support or oppose cutting off federal government funding to Planned Parenthood? And on that question, overall, 31 percent say they support cutting. Sixty two percent say they oppose among Republicans. It is 63 percent who out the gate say I support cutting Planned Parenthood funding. If you say you support cutting funding, Quinnipiac then asks you a follow-up where they say, if you knew that the federal government funding to Planned Parenthood was being used for only non-abortion health issues, such as breast cancer screening, would you still favor cutting off funding to Planned Parenthood? When you frame it that way, you then have majorities of the people who had said, yes, cut the funding, change their mind to say, no, don't cut the funding. So when you add it all together at the end – they can come out with a result that says, look, 80 percent of people say don't cut 
the funding to Planned Parenthood. Now, one of the the beefs that some Republicans and pro-life people have is they say, well, but Planned Parenthood doesn't actually provide the mammograms. They just refer people. It's like so they get into the weeds on that. But it is a really politically challenging issue for the GOP because it's something that a lot of their leaders really believe in very, very deeply and strongly. Um, and it's something that the very active vocal base of the party believes in. But the rank and file, your average Republican voter out there, when they hear the second follow-up message, are like, oh, OK, well, it's fine. Right. Um, and so it, it is not something where the full party has unanimity on this issue. Right. Um, and – this is why you see a lot of consternation about people who feel that morally it is their job to cut this funding, but then there are the political consequences. Right. I mean, it's interesting because I, I could I could understand how folks would look at the follow up question and say, "Well, there's this should be like my argument about um, the the ban. This should be like an either or. Like some people say, you know, but you know, this m- money isn't being used, and other people say, well, the money may not be used, but you know, that frees up money. They can, you know, money whatever, fungible or whatever, right, yeah, whatever yeah. that argument is, right? So, um, so I could see the methodological argument to changing the structure of the question. That said, looking at these results, you know. The fact that a quarter of Republicans right out of the gate say, no, don't cut Planned Parenthood. And then, you know, majorities of those who want to cut say, you know, their, their minds can be changed just like that. You know, <laughs> like just that should be. That, it's instructive to pro-life yes. and Republican leaders yes. about how soft yes. attitudes are within their own rank right. and file voters right. about these issues. Right. So wording, question wording aside, it's still important findings. So. All right. Well, are you ready for some football? Yeah, okay, Argy- sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever. Uh, I know how much you love talking about sports topics. Sure, sure. I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot of po- Super Bowl polling out there, though, I, and I am thrilled about it. I'm totally thrilled. Um, so right now we are headed up to Super Bowl Sunday. Are we allowed to say the word Super Bowl? I know if you're advertising, you have to use the phrase "the big game." That if you use the phrase "the Super Bowl," the NFL can come after you. But th- we uh, are come we at are, us. I, we are news. This is a news program. I don't know. Sort of. I mean, I mean, or it's just us rambling. I don't know. Come, come, garbage, come at us. Come at us. <laughs> come at me, Ginger Hammer. I'll take you, Goodell. It's on. <laughs> God, I shouldn't provoke anybody. Okay, so anyhow, uh, there's lots of polling about the Super Bowl. Um, so this is a survey conducted by is this Wallet Hub? Yeah. I, I Another guess. one of these. We always save these like methodologically dubious. Things for the end of the survey. Yeah. Actually, we do have some good. Some, we have uh, some good. Stuff. We have some quality data. But this is the. I cannot vouch one. for the uh, no. the methodological. What we'd skip to see our team live in the Super Bowl. Twenty three percent of people say they would skip a vacation. Twenty one percent of people say they would skip important work. Twenty percent say they would skip a wedding of a close friend or family member. Ooh, guys, I like football, but like. Close friend or eh, – anyway. Yeah. 19% say they would miss the funeral of a loved one. And 15% say they would miss the birth of their child. Okay. That makes me so annoyed because whoever wrote skewed, that question – Skewed. Or whoever's answering it or those were not ladies. Guess what? No. You, you can't skip the birth of your child. 
if you're birthing the child. Okay, and obviously there are you know other ways to have children, but I, that's this question just is written by a dude for another dude. Okay, because <laughs> women, you know, and you could schedule your C-section around the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. But the the point is that is not what this question sounds like. This sounds like a question by dudes for dudes. So thumbs down from me on that one. So this so this next question is from our good friends at the Public Religion Research Institute. Uh, we always love them. They put out really interesting, yes. high-quality data. And they asked a question, do Americans think that God rewards devout players? Um, do you believe that God rewards athletes who have faith with good health and success? And does God play a role in determining which team wins a sporting event? This is a super – like we could do a whole episode on talking about this question because there are so many layers of interesting – revelations about how people think about faith and religion and prayer. And I'm just I'm so fascinated by this. The first time I ever saw a poll about this, I was doing research for the selfie vote, which you can buy where fine books are sold. That's right. Um, and I've just really wanted an excuse to include Tim Tebow in the book. Like right. if there was going to be an index, which there wasn't an index in the end, oddly enough. But if there was an index, like I wanted Tim Tebow's name in the index. So I was like, <laughs> I'm just going to find – got to find some reason to mention him in this book. And I found a poll. In case, in case he's like at the bookstore reading the index. You never know. Like, like a Washington politico. <laughs> I, I am – brief digression – I uh, saw a story posted this morning about how in the state of Florida, 130 some ballots were thrown out for being illegitimate because people had like written in things that were not valid write-ins. Um, and how many and, of them were Tim and, Tebow? And by the way, the margin of the state was less than 130,000 votes. So, yay! Um, but Tim, let's but, just talk about but, football. But, but Tim Tebow and it was it was things like Tim Tebow, Mickey Mouse. Like there were a whole bunch of things that had been written in. But I was like. Ugh wonder how many votes Tim Tebow got. Uh, uh, you're, out, you're out there doing his field effort. I, I, God, I am, I am all in. All in for Tim. But uh, half of people think that God rewards athletes who have faith with good health yeah, and so, success. So this was the poll I found about Tebow was they had yeah. asked, oh, yeah, does God, well, does God, do you believe that God helped Tim Tebow bring the Denver Broncos to the yes. playoffs? Like that was a question because he is such a prominent football player who like prays on the sidelines and his Bible verses on his cheeks and stuff. And um, and like a, a significant portion of people do think that like God helped Tim Tebow bring the Broncos to the playoffs that year. So this is kind of a, an interesting follow up on that idea, but it doesn't mention one player. It's, it's broader. Um, you have about half of the public, 49 percent, who thinks that God rewards athletes who have faith. He gives those athletes good health and success. Um, 47 percent agree. So we're very divided on whether God like blesses Hashtag blessed people. Right. Um, on the question or of whether. She, or she, she, could the, on, on she could bless. On the question of whether or not uh, God chooses who wins, significantly less support for that. Um, only 25% of Americans think that God plays a role in determining which team wins a sporting event. But that's still like. It's still pretty – it's a quarter of uh, – think God plays a role in determining which team – I mean, if you think that God rewards some players, wouldn't that by extension mean that God plays a role in which team? Or does that just now become like a bridge too far? Because really, if if God's like, okay, you get, you know, three brownie points and you get two and you get ten because you're really, you know, y you have really strong faith, then wouldn't you then all add that up and say, okay, that means this team has got – 
extra, you know, well, God points. Not, not to, not to digress. <laughs> not, not, to, not to make this completely. Tr- I don't mean to be trite. I'm just trying to understand. Well, I, I am. See, now I'm gonna. I'm, I'm putting on my 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 Jesus hat briefly. Okay. I don't think I've ever done on this show. No, 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 I'm no, not, this, this is not a not, proselytizing moment. But, but this it is, is the a Super Bowl. I'm, I'm I'm bringing the the. We'll try anything at this point. <laughs> <laughs> um. If in the Bible there are a number of stories of people who are among God's most devoted followers, who God's pretty much like, thanks for your support. Now I'm going to put you through horrible things. Right. So the idea that there is this transactional, if I am a good person, then God will give me presents. Like, there's not a lot in the Bible that suggests that it right. is that, that they call or it a this, daily life for this that is the, like the prosperity gospel right, right? right the idea that like if you are a good servant of god he will make you rich and right. i i think there is a lot in scripture that contradicts that idea yes. on the other hand i do think that if you ask god to help build within you virtue like i would like to be more disciplined right about doing something i would like to and be more focused tool, and yes. thoughtful than than then and and that can help you become a better player so it depends on like how many degrees of separation mm. are we going here I do not think that it can be like I'm going to say three Hail Marys and that's going to help make sure that Tom to te- uh, that Tom Brady like has a really good game. I mean I don't right. I don't think it works that way. But but so th- uh, but, but I do agree. But do you do think agree. people think it works that way? I guess that's the question. Right. And and how much do you overthink this question? Cuz I could definitely overthink probably, probably a lot. <laughs> <laughs> way too much. But like okay, so if if God knows everything that is going to happen. This is another big question. Right, Predestination. Right. Right? If he knows everything that's going to happen, then isn't he responsible for everything that happens, whether it's good or bad? So in that sense, if God already like God already knows who's going to win the Super Bowl, does that mean that he has determined it? Or she. See, we're getting real <laughs> we're getting real deep now. I, I don't have a Jesus hat, but I'm already enjoying this more than our Donald Trump conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but Wait, the, we have one more. Well, we have one more. Well, we we have we also have to talk a little bit about who's watching the Super Bowl. This is this is your data, yes, isn't this? Yes, this is this PSB. This is such a cool little graphic. PSB and oh, Burson like out of our New York office. Yes, with a with a thing here. So millennial and this is about millennials. So two out of three millennials hashtag the selfie vote. Yes. Say they prefer the game itself to the commercials or the halftime show oh i'm i'm opposite this is when margie doesn't get her millennial card um <laughs> but that doesn't mean that they don't you know they are favorable toward brands that have a good commercial so that's important and a majority say they would they would be interested in streaming rather than watching it on cable including three-fourths of millennials Oh, yeah. Well, this is I think this is one of those moments when I break from my generation. The ads are great. Yeah. Super, I'm just in it well, the or ads. they're horrible. But I mean, then that's the thing. Yeah. I'm sure next week we will have a topic on this show where yes. we talk about the ads. Yes. Um, interesting stuff. I, I'm very excited. Are you going to watch the Super Bowl, Margie? Um, I don't know. I haven't been invited to any Super Bowl parties, but I'm sure there'll be one. And I guess I'm going to go because... I'm I think a real I'm American. Have over to my house. I think I'm just going to have a very small thing. If you want to bring the crew, oh yes, you. I don't know if you have to fully like bubble wrap the whole house before I bring. Oh, I think I think my my <laughs> best friend Mary's going to bring her kids, and I was I feel bad. I had a big cardboard box mm. that I was going to save, and like that was That's like good. like welcome to my toy free child free home. I have this I'm, clean I'm giving pile of you garbage. a yes, box. It's <laughs> some garbage. 
It's all sanitary. Yeah, it's perfect. Enjoy. And Doesn't I actually think they would probably enjoy that. Yeah, this is would. my babysitting style, though. So anyhow. That's good. I can offer oh, well, I appreciate that. That's a cardboard good. box. Um, so, And then the last thing. Wait, there's one more. PPP is, you know, they have all the goods this week. I know. I got it. Oh, and, and they did poll on Tom Brady. Yes. And on the Patriots. Um, he's both most and least favorite quarterback. That makes sense. Does that make sense? One time I was at Mohegan Sun, the uh, casino, and I was with somebody, a a friend of mine, and he said, oh, I think I know this guy, and like pulled him, and and he was like, and... And then the de- blackjack dealer is like, he hates he hates when people talk to him. And we're like, I'm like, who is that? And it was Tom Brady. But this was a long time ago. This was before <gasps> Tom Brady was like, like every Giselle like, Tom Brady. Yeah, this was before Giselle. Um, and so my friend was like, I I know this guy. I got to stop him. And then he didn't realize that that was how you know you like have that moment. You're like, where do I know you from? Are we friends? Did we go to college together? And then you realize that it's a celebrity. He was having that moment. <laughs> <laughs> but with Tom Brady <laughs> at a casino, <laughs> I can imagine that with like someone who's a character actor in movies, right? Where you're like, you're that, I think you're that guy from that but this, thing. But, I don't but know this was are. like 15 years ago, so okay. it's a little different, okay. I think. But what do I know? I, Tom Brady amuses me so much because all evidence points to him being a huge dork. Yeah. Like he like he's this like really good looking amazing quarterback who's married to a supermodel. Like he's America's prom king. Yeah. But I think he's actually a huge dork. Well, if, that's if you like listen the theme to him of talk, every if you watch interviews, rom-com. yeah, like like deep down the inside the core of Tom Brady, I believe is a huge dork. What if you can see those gifs of him sitting like on the sob- side and like sobbing? No, no, Tom, Tom, I love you. I just I see those gifs of him sitting on the sidelines and he's like all like he's got this big grin on his face and he's trying to high five his teammates and like everybody's just walking past him. And I don't think it's because they don't like him. I just think. Anyhow, it's, it's lonely my, at my the top. Feet. It's lonely at the top. What can I tell you? <laughs> so so I've read. Um, okay, so key findings, folks. Trump has taken historic – he has historically low ratings, but his base still loves him. But each action he takes fuels an equal and opposite reaction. So that means more protests, which for me have now replaced my weekly yoga class. That's now what I do on the weekends. America, enjoy your Super Bowl. You deserve the break. I am just in it for the ads and Lady Gaga. You can find us on Twitter at at the pollsters, individually at at Margie O'Meara and at Anderson. Find us at www.thepolsters.com where we will be posting links throughout the week uh, to stories that we find interesting. Uh, and we'll be posting links uh, at the website to other polling resources. You can also find us on Facebook. Please, again, write us a review if you have not done so. We would love to hear from you. We want to hear your feedback. And every time you write a review, it really really helps us out. It helps get us new listeners. It helps boost us in rankings and things like that. Um, Very helpful. A huge thing that you can do for us. Uh, We would really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Enjoy the Super Bowl and we'll see you next week. Bye. Thanks. A Westwood One podcast production.